welcome, and you're listening to Digital Mental Health Musings, a new podcast series from the eMental Health and Practice Initiative, providing you with a window into the ever-growing world of digital mental health resources. This podcast series has been designed to keep you up to date with all the latest research and developments in the digital mental health support and treatment space. There's a world of digital mental health resources out there. Let us help you navigate it. I'm your host, Dr. Ruth Crowley. Welcome to the first Digital Mental Health Musings podcast. Our first guest in this series is Heidi Sturk, and Heidi is Director of MPRAC, or E-Mental Health in Practice, at the Queensland University of Technology. So in her role, Heidi develops, delivers, and evaluates training and support on digital mental health to health practitioners and also service providers across Australia. And she holds a Master of Organisational Psychology, and has over 25 years experience working in mental health and seven of those in digital mental health. So welcome, Heidi. Thank you, Ruth. It's a pleasure to be here. Um, First, before I begin, I would just like to acknowledge the traditional owners of the lands um, on which we're meeting today and talking and pay my respect to their elders past, present and emerging and to their traditions, customs and knowledge. And I'd also like to acknowledge any of you who are dealing with a mental health issue or are supporting someone who is. That's great. Thanks, Heidi. So I guess a really good starting point uh, would be if you could just tell us a little more about e-mental health in practice and what it is that MPRAC do. Certainly. So, yes, MPRAC, um, as we're known, is a service funded by the Australian Department of Health And this is um, funded so that we can build digital mental health awareness and skills in health practitioners across the country. So we're funded by the Australian Department of Health. We've been operating for seven years since 2013. And we're led by QUT, where I'm based. And we also partner with Black Dog Institute in Sydney, Menzies School of Health Research, who are based in Darwin, Alice Springs and Adelaide and also the University Centre for Rural Health, University of Sydney, and they're based in Lismore in northern New South Wales. We do a range of activities. We provide free training and support for health practitioners around Australia, and we do this via workshops, presentations, webinars, and resources on our website. We also track uptake and referrals to key Australian digital mental health services. They've certainly risen over the last seven years. We advise the government on digital mental health policy, and we also promote the government's digital mental health gateway, Head to Health. And I'll be talking a little bit about that more later on. And just before we continue, I'd just like to talk about what digital mental health actually means. So I'm talking about the phone crisis lines, online counselling, information sites, moderated chat forums, web programs, and these might be either self-guided programs or practitioner-supported um, programs, and also apps. Great. So that's a, hopefully a bit of a description for you. Yeah, that's great. Thanks, Heidi. So obviously, um, digital mental health resources are, are deemed to be um, important in the health system. 
I guess, could you talk through a little bit about why that is and what the department aims to achieve through funding this programme of work? Certainly. So we know that there is low access to face-to-face mental health support um, for many people in Australia, and this can be for a number of reasons. It might be that someone's unwilling or embarrassed to seek help. There might be no local services if they live in a rural or remote area. They might be unable to access help if they're caring for somebody or they have a disability. There's also a limited number of health professionals in Australia, so there's waiting lists, and these are particularly long at the moment. Cost can certainly be a big factor, and also a person might have poor experience with previous help-seeking. And so these barriers have driven interest around the world in web and mobile-based options. And we know we're all much more used to technology in our lives now. We all use technology for banking, socialising, fitness, Zoom meetings and so forth. And in 2012, the Australian government established an e-mental health strategy. And this was aimed at increasing access to treatment and support via e-mental health options. And e-mental health now tends to be called digital mental health, but it means the same thing. And the aim of this strategy was to decrease barriers and increase access to mental health support via three key methods. One was a digital mental health gateway. The original one was called Mind Health Connect, and this was replaced by Head to Health in 2017. And this gateway is an e-mental health or digital mental health portal for consumers and carers and provides a quick and easy way to access evidence-based online and telephone mental health resources. The second um, key method was MPRAC, which is asked to train and support health practitioners. And the third one was via MindSpot Clinic, which is a national free digital mental health service providing mental health information, psychological assessment and therapist-assisted treatment courses to adults who are experiencing anxiety or depression. Okay, so it sounds like a really broad scope of, of work. Um, since it was first funded. So I'm curious as to if you can sort of explain to the listeners a little bit about what's happening now. You know, have the goals of MPRAC changed over time or are they still pretty much the same? Um, Yes, thanks, Ruth. Yes, they have changed over time. And I mean, the the Australian government was certainly one of the the leaders in setting up an e-mental health strategy, one of the first in the world. Um, Nothing like this had been done in other countries at that time. Um, And so as we've gone along, we've certainly learnt what health practitioners and um, the Australian public need. Um, So in terms of MPRAC, we, um, as well as doing training workshops and presentations, we've also created a wide range of online training resources that can be found on our website under an online library. So these include things like webinars, podcasts, brief videos, fact sheets, brochures and case studies. So when we first started, we did a lot of on a lot of face-to-face workshops, but these were very labour-intensive. Whereas this way, with the online library, we can reach a lot more people, um, which has been proven to be very helpful, particularly in the last year with COVID nineteen. And these materials, while they've been developed particularly for health practitioners, anybody who's interested in digital mental health can access these. One of our most popular resources is our booklet called Guide to Digital Mental Health Resources. And over the past few years, we've given away over 50,000 of these. And this and our other brochures are downloadable and they're also available as hard copies. Many many of the health services and also schools and workplaces post links to these brochures on their websites or newsletters. And you can also order hard copies by going to our website order form and we'll post out these resources to you. 
Um, we also have a number of fact sheets, videos and links to the webinars and podcasts about how to use the digital mental health resources as well. So not just what's out there, but how they can be integrated into sessions. And there's also a link to an online community of practice hosted by Black Dog Institute for Health Practitioners. This is a private online community for health professionals um, and has around 5,000 members. And, but peer support and community workers are also welcome. And the community includes weekly newsletters, blogs, forums, networking with peers, latest resources, and just sharing experiences about using particular digital mental health resources. And the other thing that we've learned and changed with over time is that we've expanded our focus into a much broader range of workers. Um, so as well as the GPs, psychologists and social workers, we also work with Aboriginal health workers. And we've moved on to community workers who are, might be working with youth, aged care, disability, drug or alcohol, peer support workers and consumer advocates. And other professions who utilise our resources include teachers, guidance counsellors, pharmacists, university staff and many workplace wellness staff in a range of organisations. We also promote Head to Health, the government's um, digital mental health gateway, as I mentioned before. And the majority of resources on this website are free and low cost. So this um, website was launched three years ago. Um, it can be accessed on a computer or by phone and was developed in conjunction with people with lived experience, health professionals and service providers. And it has won a number of um, awards over the years. And it is an excellent resource and I strongly recommend that listeners do have a, a look at the site. You can search for a number of different ways. You can search for just programs or apps or forums. You might want to search just for young people or for particular groups such as LGBTIQ. And you can also save and email resources to yourself or to somebody else as well. And they're constantly updating it with new resources. So over the last seven years, we've certainly seen a change in um, digital mental health resources. The government is certainly putting in um, investment into more resources for the Australian public to keep using and health practitioners to use and refer to with their clients. That's great. Thanks, Heidi, for such a sort of comprehensive overview of, of what this space looks like. Um, I guess for people who are fairly new to digital mental health resources, they may be going, well, this sounds great, but, you know, do they actually work? Are they effective? You know, what are the benefits? So I wonder if you could just talk to that for a second in sure, terms of that, the evidence. That's a very good question. We certainly do get asked that, especially when people are still just getting to know um, a couple of resources and what, what is actually out there. And um, one of the first things is, is it actually, you know, effective? Um, and there's certainly a great deal of research which shows that psychological treatment can be effectively delivered via the internet. Um, there's been a lot done over the last few years and especially uh, continuing as a result of the pandemic. And we've actually found that the web-based interventions can be as effective as face-to-face -face treatment, particularly if there is practitioner support. And web-based CBTs has shown substantial impact in randomised control trials. And the largest effects are shown by therapist-supported services, which can typically result in over 70% treatment completion rates and a 50% reduction in symptoms sustained over time. And that's not to say that self-guided programs um, aren't also just as helpful. Um, they tend, people tend not to complete them um, to the same degree because you have to be self-motivated to complete these. But people can get benefits from just completing one module. But obviously, the more modules they complete, um, the more effective results they will obtain. 
And anyone who is interested in reading a bit more about some of the research evidence, there's a section on our website with peer-reviewed journal articles on particular programs and also on digital mental health in general. And just I'd like to highlight a couple of the benefits um, for digital mental health, um, just to let people know, you know, why it would be useful for someone to use these. One of the main ones is obviously accessibility. We can use them anywhere. We don't have to have any waiting time. It can be in the middle of the night um, or for any location where you have internet access. And many of the services are free or low cost to use. It's a great way for people to get support without having to feel embarrassed and just to even start learning about what options are available to them as well. It's an introduction to psychological intervention for many people who might not have ever sought help before. There's a wide choice. So there's a lot of different areas that people can explore. It's not just anxiety and depression. There's also information about eating disorders, um, pain, um, PTSD, and a number of different areas. Often, often people who are um, accessing face-to-face -face support can also get support from these online resources because they can practice skills in between sessions and review these um, concepts and skills um, in between their sessions. And it just gives people options. And a lot of people actually say that they find using digital mental health resources more empowering. They have a bit more of a say in the treatment and support that they're getting. Okay, so a really broad range of benefits. A lot of people have been talking about the, the shift that they kind of have been forced to make in terms of shifting to telehealth um, during the, well, since the start of the COVID pandemic. I'm wondering if you have any experience or could talk to whether or not you think the same is going to happen with digital mental health resources, given that these seem to lend themselves really well to integration with telehealth consults. What do you think is this, what's the sense in terms of whether or not they'll be integrated a little more? Yes, I think um, one of the things we did find from um, the increased use of telehealth last year was that it's paved the way for a greater appreciation and understanding of the benefits of digital options. Because many people had to use telehealth very suddenly due to the need because of restrictions from the pandemic, um, a lot of health practitioners and clients were a little bit dubious. And while some have felt a little bit rushed into it, more people have actually found it to be very beneficial and that it was actually able to provide them with many benefits. So then, yeah, le leading them to then think, okay, what other technology options might be useful for us? Um, and there certainly are some resources that can be well utilised within telehealth consultations. And we actually have a fact sheet and brief video on the MPRAP website about how practitioners can incorporate these into uh, telehealth consultation. And these can also be applied to face-to-face -to -face as well, of course. Um, and it's interesting to note that during the COVID pandemic, when it first started last year in April, 50% of mental health consultations were um, being done via telehealth. And this gradually decreased to about 26% by December last year. But there's still quite a few people who would like to see these um, sessions continued. And I think that that will happen in some form. And I think the move to digital will gradually move forwards uh, in conjunction with this extra interest and in use of telehealth as well. Yeah, okay. So, so certainly or potentially changes afoot. Um, and we, I guess we just have to watch and wait and see what happens. 
So as the director of MPRAG, what do you see as the way forward for digital mental health resources? You know, what are the challenges in terms of them becoming just business as usual in clinical practice? Well, it's interesting that we have seen um, a big interest in the digital resources and they're becoming a significant component of the mental health system because they do provide an additional service model. However, we certainly have a long way to go before they're business as usual. While awareness has increased, there's a vital need to educate practitioners and users about how they can best be used, as I alluded to earlier as well. So there's many different ways that these resources can be used. They can be used for, by somebody just on their own or in conjunction with face-to-face -face support, as I mentioned. It might be while they're on a waiting list, in between sessions or for post-session support. And a resource might be used as a treatment aid in the following ways either for information, for early intervention, or to prevent relapse. And they can also help to reinforce learning between sessions, enhance self-monitoring, and support skills practice between sessions. And we know that this is requiring practitioners to become quite familiar with um, certain resources. However, we do feel like providing guidance and case studies and examples for how these resources can be used is really helpful for practitioners to actually then feel confident to try them out. There's certainly challenges that need to be addressed for practitioners and we're aware of that. Time is a particularly big one, just the time to learn about the resources and the time are needed to become skilled in introducing these in sessions. And so we're trying to build these into regular professional development so that knowledge and skills can gradually build up. And we do know that there's other sort of challenges for clients to use these as well. So things like their digital literacy level, their language or cultural barriers, just the access, access to technology that they do have. Are they using a phone or are they using a computer? The degree of human support that they might need. Um, some people will do fine just having um, working through something on their own, but others will need regular check-ins. The severity of the condition and the privacy of their data. And just a, two points that I'll just quickly mention here is that MPRAC's been involved in trying to address one of these challenges, which is resources for Indigenous people in Australia. Last year, we launched a website called WellMob in conjunction with the Australian Indigenous Health InfoNet. And the development was guided by Aboriginal health workers themselves, and it has over 200 culturally appropriate social and emotional wellbeing resources. And many of these are in video and narrative format, and it's designed for use by anyone who's working with Indigenous clients. And another issue that um, we're really mindful of is the privacy and security of data issue. And the government's also taking this very seriously. In November last year, the Australian Commission on Safety and Quality in Healthcare released the new National Safety and Quality Digital Mental Health Standards. So these describe the level of care and the safeguards that a digital mental health service should provide. And they have some tip sheets for practitioners and users, and links to these can be found on our MPRAC resource library. So I guess as we're getting to the end of the, um, you know, this conversation, what advice do you have for our listeners who are maybe going, well, this sounds really interesting, but I've got a few concerns um, in terms of whether they use them personally or with their, their clients or patients? Yes, and, I mean, some people do feel quite daunted about using online resources as they don't know where to start and there are so many options available um, so we do advise just sometimes start with head to health just explore some of the resources on there get to know what's out there 
And also look at our online library of resources, have a look at our fact sheets about how you might use digital mental health. Um, so there's one for practitioners and there's the one for users, as I mentioned. There is good evidence of their effectiveness and there are some many benefits. And I think once people just are aware of some of these things, it gives them a little bit more confidence in, in terms of starting. And we've got a couple of recommendations if you are referring somebody to a resource or showing them a resource. It's really good if you can make a specific recommendation. So you might actually just name one or two apps or one program. And obviously you need to know this well yourself before recommending it to someone else. Know the strengths and limitations and try it out for yourself first. And just start with the one or the two. And some will appeal more than others. So you might maybe explore a few and then just narrow it down. You might prefer the layout or the content or the ease of use. And obviously show a bit of knowledge and enthusiasm when you're talking about it to somebody, show them what it actually looks like. And we know that if you help somebody actually download something or register, they're more likely to actually go and then explore it themselves and look at it a little bit more and then follow up with them as well, just to check how they're actually going. Is it suited for them or would they like to try something different as well? And all the Australian web programs do have good information about how to use them. And the ones that offer practitioner support are also happy to provide further support to any practitioners wanting to refer clients to their programs. So we do know that these resources are going to stay and play a big role in mental health support. So we just encourage everyone just to make a start. So what about key takeaway messages for somebody that's listening and they're going, hmm, sounds all right, where do I even begin? What would your takeaway, three key takeaways be? Sure. I think the first one, as I mentioned before, is start with exploring head to health. It's very easy to use. You can have a look at it while you're watching TV show, while the ads are on, while you're on a train or a bus or while you're waiting for an appointment and try some of the different features as well um, as they're very helpful. So like the saving or uh, so sorting by particular type of resource. The second message I'd say is do access our resources and also let us know if there's anything you would like us to develop because we're um, constantly updating and regularly developing new resources and um, happy to hear from health practitioners and users about what would be best. And the final message is that I'd just like to highlight that behind the phone services, the forums, the programs and the apps, there are practitioners and peer support workers who do care. Many of the services do have a strong human connection component. And at the end of the day, our goal is to help people make informed decisions so that they can receive safe and quality mental health support. So three really key takeaway messages there, Heidi. I particularly like the last one because I know a lot of people have concerns about that relationship with an individual. So, you know, talking about the strong human connection component I think is really important and will be the subject of a future podcast, Digital Mental Health Musings. Um, but for now, I'd just like to say thank you very much to Heidi Sturk, the Director of the Emperor Project for spending some time with us talking through digital mental health in Australia. Thank you very much, Heidi. Thank you and do contact us via our website. We're more than happy to help. Thank you. So 
that's it for this episode of Digital Mental Health Musings. Thank you for listening. If there are any other topics you'd like to hear us discuss, please head to our website, www.mprac.org.au forward slash contact and let us know. We'd love to hear from you.